You shit. A, me shit. You the shit. studies were no, good. You, the, your delivery, poo. Bad delivery. Studies good. Great delivery studies. is boring. No, no, no. Long. I am shit. Yeah. Great yeah. studies. Great. Welcome to the Dude Nature Podcast. What's up? I'm here as always with my brother Adam. We got new, yeah, mi- we yeah. got new microphone equipment. Yeah. We got new boom arms. Okay, it's, it's getting a little crazy in, in the cave, in the in the in the recording cave. Adam, gripes, digestion. Um, say my, it again. What? Oh, we had to redo it because the new audio equipment. Every digestion's good. The matcha's good. The matcha's helping with my j- digestion a lot. Don't touch my volume ever again. I'm touching your volume just a little bit. Okay, I can going. touch it. I touch. Okay, tell me about your matcha. That's too much. Uh, my matcha is tasty. It's green, and it makes everything go well, smooth, flow down my body like a river. How's your gripes? How's your digestion? Okay, so I actually have so many gripes. It is, it, I have a gripe that I can only choose one, but the one, the one, the one gripe I'm gonna choose two actually. Okay, the two gripes that I'm gonna choose one when you when I go over to your house and you don't make me coffee in the morning. Okay, I come over ready to pod, and you refuse to make me coffee. Okay, so 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 that's one. I don't refuse to make you coffee. The coffee is ready okay, for you. I'd, I would like coffee ready for me. It okay? is ready for As, you. I, you know what I mean? Ready to go for our pod. Num- it's in the pot. Number it's two. from last just, night. I, yeah. No, no, number two, you're re-recording a podcast episode because we because of the sound. Yeah. Re-recording a podcast episode is one of my favorite things. We're not doing that now. We've never done that before, but it would suck. You know, just saying. Yeah, we yeah. Had We've never do done it. it before, but it would suck if we were doing it right now. Yeah. At this very moment. Boom. <laughs> all right. And line. And line. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Adam, what are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about something really awesome, talking trees. So talking trees have been a part of many films, TV shows, dating back to 1020, where Alexander the Great visited a talking tree. Through all the way through medieval times with King Arthur and Merlin, who gets like turned into a tree and shit in the Once and Future King. You ever read, read the book? Uh, the name of my, my wiener is King Arthur. Is the name of your wiener? There's also other King? wiener names, possible wiener names, if you don't have a wiener name in this podcast. Speaking of talking trees, like all the way through the Legend of Zelda series. So, Noah, before you just pop, what are some of your favorite talking trees in popular fiction? Adam, thanks so much for asking me. Yeah, you're Dog. welcome. All right, so the Whomping Willow and the Ents. Um, I think the ants are sick because they're human trees. They act like trees, but they take forever and their experience of time is different. And I feel like that's kind of, we're going to get into tree consciousness, consciousness later, but I feel like that's kind of what trees are like. They just experience time in a completely different way than we do. Uh, so I love them. Also, I love the Whomping Willow mm-hmm. um, cause it's, it's aggressive, tries to kill anything that gets near it. But the, the, the Whomping Willow is divisive. Right, because it starts off being this like aggressive thing that Harry and Ron crash into, and it tries to kill them. And they have to run away. But then, as you learn later in the third book, it's actually guarding. It's basically guarding like Sirius Black's secret. It's like he goes in there to into that house through the Whomping Willow to turn into a werewolf. So actually, the Whomping Willow is kind of a guardian. Not him. It's Lupin, right? It's guarding Lupin's secret. You're right. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's guarding Lupin's secret. However, you know the Whomping Willow starts off as this this bad thing. But really, you know, it's kind of like a guardian, kind of like Sirius Black himself, Adam. Wow. Okay, I yeah. love it. Perfect. Okay, so building off of what you said, like the Whomping Will, how, you mentioned the Legend of Zelda, right? How about the Great Deku Tree? Did you ever play Zelda? Yeah, I, I played it and just got so frustrated. Someone said to play it with a roll. guide. You got to roll. It's all about rolling. No, no, no. I love the combat. It's super fun. Mm-hmm. I love the combat. 
I can't tell where to go. Yeah, no, that's part of the game. It's a puzzle no, game. I literally Some people hate enjoy that. that. I, can't, I don't enjoy that Some at all. Some people do. Let's talk, let's talk about our dichotomy real okay. fast with video games. Yeah. I like to pop in and play FIFA, Call of Duty. I just want to pop in and play. You like to tinker. Yeah, I like to build and so manage. So boring. I like literally to build sounds and like work. Why wouldn't I just work then? My favorite game I right now work. is a hospital building game called Two Point Hospital, where you're just building a hospital, like managing You diseases, and all the, the other serial practitioners and stuff. The hospital game, which is tight. And all serial killers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so the great Daku tree was killed by an evil man named Ganondorf. Not a great guy and not a great Super Smash character. I was about to say, bad character, too slow. He's too big. He's too big. You know, I kind of suck at that one though. To be honest, he's with too one. slow and too big, but he's powerful. Yeah, uh, like you mentioned, Tree Bird, the ant is awesome. And then, yeah, have you ever seen those uh, tree stickers, tree face stickers that are, go on trees? A tree they're face, just a face, a tree face. I think they're just called tree faces. They're all over Etsy. Like if you go to Etsy and search tree face, yeah, keep going. It just like eyebrows and a mouth. It really makes a tree look like it's a it's a human person thing. It's a sticker. It it turns the tree into an ant. It's ironic because that's gonna hurt the bark. You, it, you can make it out of wood. People like nail them to their trees. If you walked around Portland, you'd see some. Okay, cool. Yeah, tree faces. Did you want more from me on the tree face? No, no, you're I feel good. Like you, I feel like you wanted more from me. No, no, you're good. Okay, I like yours. I think that, I think that ends by far the coolest, and you're looking at me, and I know the next line. So next topic, guys. Why would trees even want to communicate, right? The trees are in, they're, they're in, a, they're in a struggle to survive. Right, so like a lot of people talk about the forest, like it's it's this jungle, everyone killing everyone. So why would trees even want to communicate with each other? Adam, tell us about the struggle of trees. How what's it like for them to survive? It's a jungle out there. It makes me wonder why I keep going, going under. under. Okay, and just like trees, Who sang that song, Andre Nicotina. I think yeah. he's he's How, borrowing that line. I think he's borrowing it from someone else. Shout out to the bay, the yay, yeah. Uh, attacked by herbivores to attract predator, right? Trees get attacked by something as menacing as a deer or another herbaceous creature that attacks their leaves. And that's not good because they need their leaves to photosynthesize. So they send distress signals to its tree kin, tree family, and to other trees to fight these herbivores and to fight disease and to fight droughts so that they can alter their behavior when they see these messages. So... It, Compare it to like the neighborhood watch when one of the parents sounds the alarm, all the other parents can grab their kids and come inside like when you walk around the neighborhood. So they protect them. Nothing? Yeah, yeah no. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I really like the neighborhood watch yeah. because it, it is like a network of danger where they, where they can warn each other. I have a lot of other examples. Are you done with yours? Can I go? No, 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 no. No, I'm not done. Okay. I like the neighborhood watch a lot because they use that to warn each other. Can I keep going? Yeah, go. I'm done. <laughs> okay all right so I'm, I'm gonna destroy you on this topic okay sure. so so basically like, like like adam said trees they can warn each other of infestations or other dangers um so one huge danger to trees is what's known as bark beetles maybe you've heard of them um in the u.s alone they've destroyed over eighty-five thousand square miles of forest so that's basically forest the size of utah which is awful that it just left um these things these things get they get worse and worse every year because of the warming climate Basically, warming climate, the trees, the there's more wildfires, the trees are sicker, they have less defenses, it's easier for the bark beetles to get it to get into their bark and just destroy them. So it's this terrible, terrible cycle. Um, one things one thing that trees do is that they warn each other of these bark beetles. So a trees together, um, if one tree gets the bark beetles, it sends it sends out a gas that warns the warns the other trees 
um, that the bar that the bark beetles are coming and to make their defenses. Okay, we're gonna get into defenses and all that st all that stuff later. Um, so that's one of the reasons they want to communicate. Okay, the other reason is storms. All right. So if you think about it, let's think think about a lone tree. Okay, just think about a tree standing alone. Lone tree. Lone tree. Okay, when a storm comes, that tree gets hit from the uh -huh. left, from the right. You know, mm -hmm. under, up, mm -hmm. side, down. It gets hit from all the sides of it, the storm, and just gets destroyed. Yeah. In, a, in a forest, okay, when a storm comes into a forest, it only hits the top of that tree because that tree is protected from all the other trees around it. Not only is it protected, but the trees actually lean on each other. Um, and one thing that scientists talk about is that trees have a different, um, what's it called, Rubber elasticity. Okay. They have a different elasticity. So trees bounce. So let's say a huge wind's coming in. Trees bounce back from the storm differently because they bounce at a different rate. They actually push each other up, and they become much more up. They can become upright sooner for that second gust. Oh wow, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was really cool. That's um, amazing. To kind of uh, put this in your mind, think about you know when if you have whiskey or dark liquor and you have the one big ice cube, okay? It's because it melts slower because it has less surface area. So if you have a lot of small ice cubes they melt faster than one big ice cube. And that's because most of the ice is hidden from the warmer liquid around it. Okay. okay so, so they're that, protecting it, each similar, other. Yeah, exactly. So it's similar to that of the forest. Well, it's a bummer for the trees that are on like the timber line or on the outside. Huge bummer for the trees on the outside. Right. They still get the cover from the outside and the elasticity, but they're going to get, they're going to hit from the other side. Okay. But here's the thing. They do get all the light. Mm -hmm. So if you're on the outside, so it's, it's like a risk taker tree. I love it. Right? Yeah. So if you Risk put yourself on the outside. But you get more sunlight. You're going to get a lot of sunlight, but you're also going to get the brunt of the storms. But you're going to grow faster. I love it. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Um, so the, the other thing is climate. Okay. okay? So if, if you've ever been out on like a really, a really hot day, hot and spicy day. Okay? Spicy. Hot and spicy day. And, and then you go into the forest, you'll notice that it's way cooler in there. The reason is because because the trees are together... <clears throat> they keep the humidity and the moisture in the so in the soil under them because the sun's not able to penetrate it and have it have it evaporate. So the climate inside of a forest is much more advantageous for trees because they keep it that way. They basically make their own climate in the forest. Yeah, it is a lot cooler and there's a lot more cover. Right, it's a lot cooler and there's a lot more cover. If there's a lone tree, it's not able to make its own climate because the sun's hitting the sun's hitting the ground. Okay, I think you're talking about like it's sort of a collective action that's happening with the trees. Yeah, it's exactly. They use each other for these things that they need. Okay. So, so, and my, my final example, actually, Adam. Yeah. My, no, my no you go example, ahead. I would never I'm, cut you off like that. You never, 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 ever. I wouldn't do it. That's why people die. That's okay. how people die. You don't give someone their change back. Here's a slurp. That's how they die. Here's a slurp of my matcha in the microphone. Okay. Um, think people. Okay. So you're in competition with people for food, for living space, for money, right? But if the human population went down to like a hundred people you would have far less of a chance to survive as you do now. Yeah. And your response, Adam. If a human population went down to 100 people, you would have way less chance of survival. Way less chance of survival because all the things you have that other people are working to give you. You'd also have a better chance of getting a mate. You know what I mean? Do you think you'd have a better chance of getting a mate? If there was Tinder for 100 people, you got to imagine that it's you yeah. and like 20 other people. So... <laughs> Who I mean, know, they got to match up. They got It depends on your competition in that hundred. What if it's you and like you know the Chelsea soccer team? Yeah, no, and that they're all be just good. looking great. That's competition. They're all looking great, and you look like you look like you. Which yeah, no, we like don't want that, dude. Yeah, no, we don't want that. 
Right. Can you so can you imagine being stranded on a desert island with like a professional men's men's team? Yeah. And then there's you. Yeah. You have to you have to play funny guy. Okay. You you have to play funny guy to get a mate. Yeah. Speaking of communication between men's teams, we talked about why trees want to communicate with each other. How about communication? How do they actually do it by non-soil methods? So like, what is the process by which they can communicate? Is it electronically? Is it kind of telepathically? Is it like do they send a leprechaun to each tree with a note? So let's start really easy. What are some s- simple ways that trees can communicate with each other through the air? Okay. So again, again, th- we're talking about non-soil methods. Yeah. Okay. Non-soil methods. So, so I'm going to introduce the godfather of the trees. Yeah. Let's do it. Get him it, out. It's time. There. It's time to get him out. Bring there. him out. Okay. Bring his, the queen his out. Name, his name is Peter Wollenberg. Okay. King. He's a German forester. Okay. He used to work for the, for the man, the industrial forestry industry for 20 years. Okay. Mm. Eventually he rebelled. All right, got his hometown to actually fight for their for their forest, and now he just manages that forest. Okay, man of the people. Um, he's a polarizing figure in science because he basically he takes tree science and makes it for the people. He brings it down from the ivory tower. Okay, mm-hmm. so hard scientists they don't like him. He also he also what's called anthropomorphizes. Okay? Yeah, he does, which means like putting human characteristics on trees, which scientists hate. Mm-hmm. But it does make it, it makes it so much more relatable something and like, like something that you can understand. Calling a tree a mother tree or something. Right, exactly. So he wrote the book, The Hidden Life of Trees. Yeah. Okay. So that's like his big, his big, his big tree book. He is, he's the godfather of trees. Um, anyway, back to communication. He discusses a study where, spe- where a species of tree root was found to give off a frequency of 220 hertz. Um, when other trees were put around this tree, so let's say there's a tree in the middle. It's giving off these roots. The roots just normally give off a frequency. So next time you're walking in the forest, be just like just there's a hum. Mm, hum. There's like a vibration of the roots. Ooh. Ooh. Do they give off the same frequency? What Matthew McConaughey was doing is the same frequency as these root tips. Okay. 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 So when that that tree in the middle is giving off that frequency, all the trees around it, their root tips start to point and grow towards that tree in the center. So they're like seeking out that new tree as a friend. Okay. Um, With that, Santa from Warfighting, what you just did right there. How do you know that they're Absolutely. But here's the thing. I like what Peter does. Yeah. Okay. He's bringing the trees into into a relatable, understandable fashion, and he loves the trees. I do too. Okay. The heart, as as we're going to discuss later, the limits of science. You know what? Can I say something? You're doing so good this episode. I'm so proud of you. You're absolutely. That's my fucking dog. Time to take her pants off, honestly. Keep going. You should just leave. We should cut this episode off. Let's cut it. All right. Hey, we're gonna go to Africa. Stop listening right now. Back to communication. Back to communication by non-soil. Okay. We're gonna go to Africa for a second. Yeah. Okay. Giraffes evolved with with the acacia trees there. Okay. So they've been dealing each other for the entire lifespan of both of them. Mm -hmm. All right. When when a giraffe feasts on an acacia tree, they. Okay. So when a giraffe feasts on on an acacia tree. What happens is that the acacia tree feels this and it, pr- it, pr- it produces a gas that makes the tree put what's called tannins, okay? And yes, for you wine aficionados, tannins is the thing where you switch the glass and it goes down, how it goes down the side. Mm-hmm. I said that better in the first time we recorded this. I don't thing. really get that metaphor at all. Yeah. Like, why isn't that, that just wine? I didn't wine? have excitement to say it because it's our second time recording. So I was like, you know. Why does that demonstrate the tannins? Why isn't care. it just wine falling down your glass? The tannins are because tannins are, I guess, oily, sticky. So, so the, the the amount of tannins that wine has in it will will when you switch the switch it around, it's how slow it flows down. Anyway, hmm. the acacia tree makes tannins which go into the leaves. Okay, this causes the leaves to be bitter, 
And so the giraffe, like, it actually gets sick if it eats them. So the giraffe's got, like, an hour to feast before it starts releasing this gas and then becomes bitter. Alright, so, 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 the giraffe knows this so well that after, like, an hour of feasting, when it, when it starts to feel the tannins, it always walks upwind of the acacia trees. Okay. Okay. And that's because it knows that it's going to, it's going to produce that gas. And again, the acacia tree does this to communicate with the other acacia trees that, Oh no, I'm getting eaten by a giraffe. Okay. And so what happens to the other acacia trees? The other acacia trees are like, they're like, okay, we know the giraffe's coming. Time to put some of our energy right into the leaves. Time to tan up these leaves. Okay. Tan up the leaves. Okay. Let's bring it closer to home. Okay. In your local forest, you most likely have elms and pines. Okay. Those come under attack a lot from leaf eating eating pillars, caterpillars. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the elms or pines can actually detect that it's caterpillar saliva, and they release pheromones that attract parasitic wasps. Um, the wasps come and they lay their eggs inside of the caterpillars, and then the wasp larvae eat the caterpillar from the inside out, like a girlfriend or a fiance. <laughs> <laughs> Did you put that joke in there? Or is that- no, I just I, I I just got that one. Okay, yeah. The wasps lay their eggs inside the caterpillars, and the wasp larvae eat the caterpillars from the inside out. That sounds very unpleasant. Yeah. It does sound unpleasant, Adam. Okay, so the trees are calling the wasp through the air to come to the tree to protect it. Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. The trees are calling the wasps. They're communicating with the wasps. Okay, so you did acacia trees with giraffes. You did caterpillar larvae with wasps. Those are two examples. Of I have another air. one, but let's move. Let's, let's, move. let's, let's no, keep moving. Not- that's great. God, you're just doing so yeah, great. Just you know what? Honestly, I don't have much more to add to that. You really you really did fantastic. Wow. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Um, can I just say that, that the last two segments, okay, which was why would trees want to communicate and communicate by non soil, that it was just crushing by me. No, good job by you. Thank really. you. Thank you. Absolute obliteration, honestly. I'm more of a non soil. I'm more of a soil guy. Communication by soil. And that leads us to our next topic. Yeah. Soil. You're a soiler, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a soiler. Okay. Communication by line, communication by soil. Okay. Under your feet when you walk into a forest is what's called the wood wide web or a complex network of fungi that enable trees to communicate and pass nutrients to each other. Okay. Mm-hmm. Adam, what is the study that can prove that trees share anything at all? Again, this is communication by soil. We just said communication by non-soil. Right. Communication by soil. So let's introduce the godmother of trees, Suzanne Samard. Right? Do you think that they touch each other? The Who, godfather and godmother. Peter, Peter Wallen. Under a tree. Suzanne Smart and Peter Wild stuff out there. Yeah, I think they've touched, but not maybe not in an intimate way. Do you think they've shared their roots? Do you think they've shared their roots? I think when they get next to each other, they both vibrate at a certain frequency. And they both vibrate at a certain frequency. And their roots grow next to each other. I think if you play 220 Hertz, Peter gets an erection. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Suzanne Smart is the professor of forest ecology at the University of British Columbia. Her research is popularized by Peter Wallabin in his book. What's the name of his book? Uh, the Hidden Life of Trees. Hidden Life of Trees. You've read the book. I have yet to read it. Uh, in the late 90s, Simard, like 1997, she discovered that there were trees that were using a fungal web, kind of a fungal network, to trade nutrients with paper bark birch trees. So Douglas fir trees to paper bark birch trees. For example, being able to loan one another sugar as the seasons changed. Another word for these fungal networks that Noah doesn't like is a mycorrhizal network. Just say, I know, I hate it. Just say fungus network. But that mycorrhizal, it just means like it's a mutual relationship, mutual it means, network. I don't. It just means fungal network. Yeah, it just 
fungal it network. It just means fungal network for, okay, for science, science. Scientists use mycorrhizal network. Wieners use mycorrhizal network. So, like, what is the definition of a mycorrhizal network or wiener. fungal network? I'm a it's an underground network created by fungi that connect individual plants together and transfer water, carbon, nitrogen, and other nutrients that we'll discuss. And it's dubbed, like you said, the wood wide web. Uh, Samard also said recently that 90% of all trees are supported by this network of fungi, which is um, uh, which is unbelievable. This is pretty recent research. This is like very much in the last 30 years. Yeah. 25 years. So previously, I mean, we had no knowledge of this underground communication that was happening. Um, a couple studies to back this up. One study done in southern China by the Institute of Tropical Ecology in 2010 sought to answer the question, can plants send more than just nutrients across a mycorrhizal network? Like, can they send um, signals that they're being attacked? Like you said, with the acacia tree and the giraffes, they can send that through the air, right? Some trees can. Yes. But can they do it through the soil? So the way that they tested it is that they injected a pathogen into tomato plants separated by a two-foot air gap and tested for the control with no fungal network in between the tomato plants and with a fungal network in between and measure the defense enzymes and genes of the neighbor plants. Did that make any sense? Do that one again. Okay. Talk about the, yeah. So they had tomato plants. Okay. A bunch of tomato plants. They separated the plants with a two foot air gap and they tested, they injected a pathogen into one of the tomato plants and they tested the defense enzymes in the neighboring plant without a fungal network in between them. That's the control. Okay. To see what happens. Okay. So they tested that and no nothing happened. There weren't any increases in enzymes that could fight off these pathogens. And there weren't any um, defense-related genes that came up when they did that. Okay. Okay. So then they did the same experiment. They injected a pathogen into what they being the Institute of Tropical Ecology in southern China. They injected one of the tomatoes. With coronavirus. <laughs> what? Southern China. What about it? Is it China? The the birth of, of the Rona? Yeah, the birth of the Rona. Yeah, they're also testing tomato plants yeah, for exactly. pathogens. They injected one of the tomato plants. You know yeah. what? You're getting bored by this. Yeah, I can tell. Just fucking go. Injected I... one of the plants. Okay, they put a fungal network in between them. There's the other tomato plant. And guess what happened? In this case, there was a massive increase in defense enzymes in the neighboring plant. And it activated six defense related genes. So that study shows that through this fungal network, you can pass more than just nutrients between it. You can also pass electrical signals that result in defenses in neighboring plants. Another study done by Suzanne Simard, who we just mentioned, the University of British Columbia in 2011. After she was done with the Godfather. Yeah. <laughs> after, after she, <laughs> yeah, she was rolled out of bed with the Godfather, Godfather with Peter. Uh, called Do Mycorrhizal Network Benefits to Survival and Growth of Interior Dogos Fur Seedlings Increase with Soil Moisture Stress Sought to Answer the Question Do Mycorrhizal Networks, Fungal Networks, Help with Drought and Climate Change? So her methodology for this experiment was she put 50% of the Douglas Fur Seedlings in containers with access to an older sapling tree. So one side of the container you have the seedling, one side of the container you have a sapling tree. And the sapling tree had access to a water supply at the bottom of the container. And then it's the same kind of test where she tested one for the control without the fungal network in between the two and one with the fungal network in between the two. So you got baby, left side, sapling, right side. Below the sapling is the water. Okay. Okay. That's one set of experiments. And then the other set, they had a fungal network in between the two. And the result, with the fungal network, the seedlings 
had over a 50% survival rating compared to the control group with access to the network, and the other one didn't have access to the network. So all of them survived. Yeah. So those two studies show that passing communication through the soil helps them survive. And happens. And happens. Okay. A lot. I'm just going to, before I go, I'm just going to respond a little bit, a little bit to yeah. yours. Go ahead. I liked your studies a lot. Yeah. They were good studies. Yeah. You shit. A, me shit. You the shit. studies were no, good. You, the, your delivery, poo. Bad delivery. Studies good. Great delivery studies. is boring. No, 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 no. Long. I am shit. Yeah. Great yeah. studies. Great studies. Just yeah. go faster. No, go I agree. Faster. I agree. Please, God. Yeah. Okay. Okay, now it's my turn. Yeah, okay, the rock. I'm, I'm, you know, Kevin Durant's here. Yeah, he killed okay. the vibe. <laughs> okay, maybe ruin the entire podcast. No, 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 no I'll never ruin it. Okay, uh. so, so basically, um, communication by soil. Stump example. Okay, Peter, Peter, okay, the Godfather again was taking a walk in the woods when he looked when he looked closer at a pair of rocks that he was passing by. He thought this was a pair of rocks for years. Okay, he scraped away the top layer and he saw that actually it was like a 500 year old stump. Okay, so. The question he asked himself is, how did a stump survive for 500 years? This, this was cut down in like the medieval era. He's in Germany. Whatever medieval people were in Germany cut this shit down mm-hmm. all right, 500 years ago. Okay, What he found is that the trees around this, and this is not uncommon in forests, they were passing nutrients to the stump because the stump was what's called a mother tree. It probably produced all the other little trees around it, and they wanted to keep it alive. So they're keeping the stump alive by passing the nutrients. Okay, that's amazing. So the other trees were keeping this dead, like they're honoring their dead, basically, which yeah. is unbelievable. It's that's un- actually yeah. true. It's amazing. That is amazing. And also just the conciseness of how I got that out to the people is also amazing. I love it. Speaking <laughs> of the anthropomorphizing, like you just kind of have been saying about mother trees, let's talk a little bit about where Western scientific method kind of hits a wall right here. So we know that trees react to pain and stress. What we don't know is what these exchanges mean or what the chemical imbalance in the trees are trying to say to each other. You know, a forest is really, it's a super organism of sorts, of collective parts. And because Western science is so pinpointed in studies, so reductionist, it's very hard to see the forest, the forest through the trees, like what I did there. You did? I do, like, I do like what you did. To speak in such a connected system. Do you think that there's something going on here, you know, between the trees that we can't measure that we don't understand? Like when you look at a tree, how do you feel? How does it make you feel? Okay, yeah, and again, this 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 section is the limits of the scientific method. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Just just getting that out there. Yeah. Okay, so basically, limits of the scientific method. One thing with all this tree research is how hard it is to use the current scientific method, which is taking something very separate, taking something basically out of its natural equation and proving or disproving it, because the forest is so interconnected, right? The soil, the tree, the roots, the blah the blah the blah, all the, all the trees together. Okay. So science, this scientific research is, ba- is based on getting like in, going up in your career as a scientist is based on getting publications or and, and getting those publications to be cited and getting published in big journals. So that's basically like your street cred as as a scientist. Yeah, like your research case. Like score. like yeah, and it, and it correlates to your monetary advancement too. Definitely. So scientists like they're God, I'm I'm missing the word. They're motivated not motivated there's a different word but whatever they're motivated to do science in in this certain way in this certain very singular way of choosing a hypothesis that they can for sure disprove or for sure approve because they're really just trying to get published in journals and trying to get cited they're not trying to like really i mean of course they're trying to understand the forest but they're not doing the best job they could to really understand uh the interconnected system so basically the way that our science works the way that the industry works goes against how the forest works. So both Peter Wallenberg, the godfather, and the godmother, Susan Samard, 
have been very, very critical of of how uh, research now is against really understanding the forest as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I think they've also been critical, like you were saying, because you can take one little study of like roots going to a water source or going to nutrients and measuring that over time, but you can't see how the entire forest is interacting in a study that limited. Like it's very hard to study something like that. Right. You also like, you know, you don't have a way to map the feeling you get when you sit underneath a tree. You just feel better. Like, you know, when you touch your dog, I'm sure there's some chemicals that rush into your brain oh, that feel this. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about when you sit under a tree, there's got to be some chemical changes in your brain that make you feel so much better. I mean, it's hard to map that feeling out. Like, how does it actually make you feel better? I know I feel better when that happens. Or like, you know, we just went on a five-day backpacking trip. And that calm state that you get in when you're backpacking, when you're just kind of very relaxed and you can just look at a leaf like forever and not be bored or like a river. That's just, how do you get that feeling? Like what went into you to give you that feeling? You know, it's some fucking Miyazaki shit. It's some, you know, Princess Mononoke shit. Like what's going on? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to get into, I was going to get into it later, but I, I, to- I totally agree. Um, there's, there's shit, there's shit going on in the forest. Not to mention now when we do these studies, it's very hard to do what people call lateral thinking, which is sort of discovering something by accident. And you think of the most famous example, Alexander Fleming accidentally leaving the cover of his Petri dish, discover penicillin. Damn it. <laughs> I thought you were doing the DNA. I thought it was something else. I was trying Where to Where do you think it. I was going? I thought you were going with DNA. I was trying to guess it for you. Dina? Dina. Yeah, I thought you were going with DNA. Uh, no. No, I didn't. No, you didn't. Okay, keep going. You Sorry. absolutely killed and me. And I killed you. I just killed completely my body. stopped It's over. You probably ruined the podcast. Yeah, it's so ruined. Okay, so well, Alexander you, Fleming. You made a boo-boo, and I made a boo-boo. So now we're, it's 1-1. Discovering penicillin by accident, or um, the Morley experiment that ruled out what people thought was the way that light traveled in a lumin- luminous aether, kind of like this transport for light photons, and it resulted in the theory of relativity which is just unbelievable because it was a completely failed experiment. So you need the bandwidth to be able to fail or make mistakes and discover something truly amazing. Right. I totally yeah. agree with that. And when you're trying to get, when you're trying to get published in the biggest journals or you're trying to get cited as much as possible, you, you're not going to take those risks. You're not going to take the risks necessary to understand the forest. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Hey, Adam. Yeah. That's going to move us on. Okay. To my favorite, my favorite topic, Absolutely. actually. The big, the daddy. The big, really honestly, the daddy like, the, why are we here today? The big D. The, the big D. Talking about big Ds, I just want to say, Whomping Willow, if yeah. you don't have a wiener name, yeah. you could take that for yours. Oh, if you're getting the name to anyone listening, Like, Whomping Willow would be a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, basically, the, the big topic, okay, definition of consciousness. Okay, mm-hmm. basically, are trees conscious? Okay? If trees are such complex beings... Do they actually have a consciousness? Do they have a brain? Adam, a person with no brain, <laughs> what say? What it's say so you? ironic that I have so to ironic talk that you're about commenting on brains when you don't have no one. consciousness myself, and you have literally no consciousness. <laughs> uh, okay, so first, like, let's define what consciousness is. The best definition that I can find is that consciousness is an awareness of the outside world, the state of being awake and aware of one's surroundings. So, what does that actually mean? Someone named John Gardner in a journal called Plant Signaling and Behavior sought to kind of to match up what consciousness means to his own study. And the question he asked was, do plants have structures that would support a kind of conscious? Like, 
could they, in theory, have any kind of awareness of the outside world based on how their structure is made up of? So this is kind of a more of a theoretical study than a hardcore nuts and bolts hypothesis scientific method. Okay. Okay. So a lot of this is speculative, but what he was looking for in plants was structures that support something called gamma waves. And gamma waves form the basis of neural communication in humans. So once again, the problem here is that he is anthropomorphizing and that he is trying to test plants with the same way that humans communicate, which is, you know, obviously a little bit faulty. Would you say? Yes. Okay. What he found out was that plants do have similar cell structures to animals that support gamma waves called plasmodesmata. They are compared to animal gap junctions in their cells. So they might have something that supports gamma waves. Okay, but I like what, I, I like what you said again. We're it's looking at plants in the way that we we communicate, okay. and it's just they're so different that I don't know what it proves or disproves. Okay, N- not to mention just gamma waves. John Gardner also looked into quantum mechanics, which is known to kind of be the kernel of consciousness, even though we don't really know why. Because crazy experiments with quantum mechanics show that if you are just observing the experiment, like if if you're doing something at the subatomic level and you're watching it happen, just the act of you actually observing it happening affects the experiment. Yeah, and I know everyone's gonna get confused about this because I still don't get I don't get it, but it is a truth. So it's basically like the atoms are reacting to you in some way. So you can imagine that that's how people think about consciousness, is that your awareness reacts without you having to do something. You know, like your brain, your thoughts are just going on their own. They're computationally reacting to something. You don't really control them. Right. But the, okay, so, so I'm asking, I'm going to go, so what, what a lot. Oh, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Oh, you're, you're not. Oh, you're not oh, excuse me. Oh, I was setting excuse it. Excuse me. I was setting it. Go, go, continue. Okay, anyway, do plants represent any kind of quantum mechanics? In a study of quasi crystals, subatomic crystals found in ferns in 1972, it suggests that there may have been some quantum mechanics involved subatomically where the particles react to light as one to form these crystals. And so, therefore, maybe that is a sign of some kind of consciousness. Because they're forming crystals? They form, so subatomic crystals, they, they react to different light sources and they form different crystals in ferns all together as one at the atomic level. So therefore, it's a similar experiment to the light experiment in quantum mechanics. Yeah, if this is making you just scratch your head, I totally I'm sure, get I'm it. Literally it's fucking crazy. This is a I'm speculative a little, study. I'm a little, uh, That's okay. Firm, it's supposed to. It's supposed bully. to get your, get your brain going. All right, last study. What is it like to be a plant by Paco Calvo in 2016? He invented a new discipline called plant neurobiology. And he refuted the fact that because plants don't have a central nervous system, they are not, he says they are not needed for plant communication and coordination to take place. Plants, like he says, can anticipate the, the future. They, are, they do, do exhibit goal-directed behavior. Yes. They have a resource allocation. Their roots grow towards minerals and water, and they grow around different barriers, so thus demonstrating consciousness. Blah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Blah. Yeah. Blah. Right. All right. That was right. a lot. Yeah. Um, okay. A lot of scientists would. I was gonna say. Your rebuttal. Okay. My. Uh, I would say that a lot. A lot of scientists do say though that it's. It's very hard to know when is it just reacting to something. Mm-hmm. Is it. Is it just the hormones inside of it that just reacts to something, right? Um. And then when is a reaction consciousness? Because we just react to stuff. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um. So from more more on consciousness, though, back to the Godfather. Okay. 
and this, I'm just going to read one example. I think that, that this is really cool. Yeah, okay? go ahead. So he talks about tree personalities and how they, oh actually, my God. So yeah. Cool. So they actually have different personalities kind of much like me and Adam talked about how in the timberline, which is like the edge of a forest, yeah. the trees there are more risk-taking. Right. Right. So he observed three oak trees that were right next to each other in Germany. They're just in this field, these big oak trees. Okay. The oak trees will have the, they have the exact same environment around them. Okay. Mm-hmm. They are the exact same size. They have the exact same trunk size. They're, they're twin trees or three twin trees. Okay. okay. Same thing. Same tree. Okay. Same tree. Okay. Yeah. Every single year, the farthest tree on the left loses its leaves after the other two trees. Okay. okay. And so when, when you're, when shedding leaves as a tree, basically you risk, you want to shed your leaves before the winter for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons is that you don't want the snow to collect on the tree, on the leaves and break them. Okay. okay. So the farthest tree on the, on the left is like, Hey, I got three more weeks of photosynthesizing to, to make some energy. Okay. Okay. And the other trees, the other trees are like, no, we can't risk it. Mm-hmm. So it's like that tree is almost more of a risk taker. It has more. Is that a personality? You know, does it have a personality? Is it more? Is it more? Oh my God. That's so amazing. I'm going to get so much more into this just in the little time we have left, but that, that is so amazing. What is there's in Walden, he invented a term for just observing the seasons. You know what it's called? It starts with a P. I totally forget what it is. Walden? In yeah, by Thoreau, Henry David Thoreau, Walden. Oh, oh, sorry. Let me check my Thoreau. Yeah, check your Thoreau. <laughs> Let me check. I know. I keep going. Yeah, it's something that starts with a P. It's like fi- it's about the study of watching the seasons change. Anyway, keep going. But it's just it's what Ooh. this guy it's what this guy is doing. If you just stay in the same place, right, and you watch the seasons, like if you just look out your backyard every day, you see crazy things. You see things that you wouldn't have noticed. It's just unbelievable. Things pop out. Yeah. Okay. What are you saying about personality trees? Okay. So, um, it's just, it's just interesting to think about because they do even trees with the same environmental characters. They're, they're the same, they're the same makeup, right? Yeah. But they exhibit different behavior. They exhibit different behavior. So that, so so like, what is the explanation for that? Um, okay. Also trees are such complex beings. They react. So they react to stimulus in different ways. Okay. So take, for example, when the elm, the elm trees got the caterpillar. Okay. It knows that it can react. It knows that that's caterpillar saliva. It can mm-hmm. so it sent it sends out that the the signal to the wasp, the pheromones of the wasp. Okay, if that tree gets eaten by a deer, it knows that it's deer saliva and it puts tannins in the leaves, so it makes it bitter. Okay. Yeah. So, so basically, somehow they're accessing a kind of database, mm-hmm. right? They're they're accessing this kind of database where they store and access information. Mm-hmm. Okay. So is that not the same thing as a brain? Hmm. Great question. Right. They're storing and accessing information. Mm-hmm. They're taking a, res- a response and they're changing. They're changing how they respond to things. Yeah. Right. Uh, another super interesting that, that and then I'll, then I'll be done. Another super interesting thing that Peter saw is that when you, when you take this, the same tree. Yeah. And you like, let's say you move it across the continent. Yeah. Okay. It, it know it reads the days. And it knows to lose its leaves. Like, let's say, let's say you take a tree from California and move it to Siberia. It's a terrible example because I don't even know if that's possible. Mm-hmm. But the tree, the tree will know that in oh, in yeah, Siberia, it has to lose its leaves way faster. And in California, it doesn't have to lose its leaves. Oh, so it adapts. To it adapts to the environment, the exact same species. I would have thought you were going to say that it it, rem- it has a written memory that it's still in California. And no, therefore, suggesting that it has like some sort of memory, like hard drive. Well, well, suggesting that it has a brain, it adapts to its environment. Right, and that's exactly what the definition of consciousness is. 
It can adapt to its surroundings. Okay, let's go open kimono here. Okay, interesting. Before we go open kimono, one last thing we have to talk about, and we're getting perfectly into it, is forest bathing. I want to go open kimono on consciousness. So what the hell is forest bathing? The Japanese term <laughs> shinrinkoyu. Let's go open kimono. Let's open kimono or Japanese forest bathing. Okay, you want to just go open kimono forest bathing? Open kimono. Okay, go. Because it's Japanese anyway. Okay, what the hell is forest bathing? Have you done any bathing recently? Okay, so for, forest bathing is actually, it's the, the, from 2004 to 2012, the Japanese government spent $4 million to study the effects of forest bathing, okay? Forest bathing is the just Japanese taking a walk government? in the woods. Taking yeah. a 30-minute walk in the woods is a nice little for, forest bath, okay? Yeah. The Nippon Medical School in Tokyo measured the activity of NK cells in the immune system before and after a 30-minute walk in the woods forest bath, okay? These cells are associated with immune system health and cancer prevention, Okay. Mm -hmm. Lee's subjects showed a significant increase in NK cell activity even a week after just a 30-minute walk in the forest, and the positive mental effects lasted a month. Okay, so we talked we, we talked about, you know, when you go in the forest, you would just feel way less stressed. Yeah. You feel de-stressed, you feel better, something's going on in the air. Okay? Um one more experiment. Okay, then I'll let you go. Exper yeah. Experiments on forest bending conducted by the Center for Environment Health and Field Sciences in Japan's Chiba University. Measured, measured psychological effects on 280 subjects in their early 20s, okay? A lot of 20-year-olds, 280 of them running around, okay? <laughs> they measured cortisol levels, yeah, okay? Yeah, stress so levels. So cortisol is basically stress levels. When you're driving and you get road rage, or you see someone that gets road rage, cortisol. that's because when you're driving, Jacked your up. cortisol levels are extremely high. Yeah. Because you're in a stressful situation, okay? Driving blows. Okay, Sub subjects with the same biometrics, biometrics, okay, height, weight, whatever, that took a 30-minute walk in the forest, the forest bath, showed a lower level of cortisol, stress, pulse rate, lower blood pressure, and greater parasympathetic nerve activity, which is linked to cancer prevention. Okay, wow. so, so a 30-minute walk in the woods just lowered all of this stuff for them. That's amazing. I, I mean, I love forest bathing research. It's amazing. We, we, we try and take a forest bath every week, and you just we don't know the science behind it, but we, I just know I feel really good. And to, to tie this back into tree consciousness, or tr can trees communicate with each other? This is just suggesting that maybe there's something going on out there that we aren't we aren't really realizing. Yeah, there's so, there's something going at least for the abs there's, there's absolutely. I think the the de stress thing, I I can feel it. Like sometimes when me and Ashley be going on a hike. Mm -hmm. Right, we'll be in an argument in the car because yeah. we're in the car with cortisol levels that are increased, and we yeah. have to wake up early to go on the hike. But yeah. once we get like ten minutes into the woods, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, we're Crazy. all good. That's totally true. Okay, talking about backpacking. Give me a little bit about backpacking. Well, I want to I wanted to share a really quick story about forest bathing a little bit. We did when I was doing one backpacking trip in Yosemite to clean up campfires, and we had a crew of high schoolers for a month. We did something called sit spot, which is basically we just took them out and spread them out every day wherever we hiked, and they had to sit there for 15 minutes. But then every week, we kept increasing the time, and pretty soon they were asking us to increase the time. So we got all the way up to an hour and a half. So Damn. every day, like right after lunch, everyone would spread out, including me and the other person who was leading the trip, and we would sit there for an hour and a half and just look and be quiet and look at the nature and it is like, it's unbelievable how easy that gets and how not bored it is. You are. That's so. It's it's so interesting that you said that. Yeah. Because when we so we went when we went backpacking mm -hmm. on day like four. Yeah. I like I went I took a naked naked river bath. Yeah. In this like gla glacier stream. Yeah. And I was alone, and I felt I felt like you can be alone. You're like okay being alone more. 
I don't understand. I, I mean, like, you're just more chill. Like, you can just... I just sat on a rock yeah. for, like, an hour. You can just sit and, like, you're entertained. I know. Whereas when you first start to go backpacking, you leave everything. I know. You, Great you, stuff from the you forest. Like, you, you're, like, bored. Great stuff from the forest. Right? Yeah. You're just more chill out there. I totally agree. Totally agree. Who won the episode? To wrap us up. I think I definitely won. I think my... Not only were Who my... Or what won? Not, this is what I'm going to say. Not only were my, were my points better... I thought that they were I was my delivery was also better. You think your delivery is better than your points are my better? My delivery was better. I think that you won the first part of the episode. I think the second part you kind of blew your wild a little bit at first and you slowed down at the end of the fourth section quarter. Which section do you feel like you won? Quarter 1 you won. I think I won quarter 2, 3 and 4. Pretty sure. You think you won 2, 3 and 4? Yeah. Okay. I think I think that I clearly won the episode because there I think there was ramble session. I think there was there's ramble session and my stats were better. Okay. Yeah. Any shout outs? Guys, we, we want to give a shout out to our sister's boyfriend, Matt. Okay? Matt okay? Boyfriend of two months. Boyfriend, no, one month. Boy, one month. Boyfriend of one month. And now he's gone. Month, and, uh, and now he's gone. Now he kicked the can, but he gave her a good month. So Happy thank, trails, thank you, Matt. Matt. Happy, Happy trails. trails, Matt. Okay. We'll see you. We'll see you. Hey, guys, you can find us on the Facebook page. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Guys, find us on the Facebook page. Listen to the episodes. We're that. so happy you're here. We love doing the podcast. We love you. Love you. Just peace and love. Go take a forest Go bath. Go take a forest bath. Do yourself a favor. And see how it feels. Stop your cortisol. Yeah. Go take a forest bath for 30 minutes. Okay? See you next time.